Do you ever get tired of thinking about what you got to do on Monday? Do you ever find yourself just as tired on Monday as you were on Friday when you took your time off? Uh, do you worry about what you have to get done uh, this next week because you didn't get it done last week? We find ourselves always constantly tired, constantly run down because we just don't seem to have enough days at the end of the month, enough hours at the end of the week, enough minutes at the end of the day, enough seconds at the end of the hour. We never seem like we have enough. Well, today we are going to talk uh, about what God says about taking a day off. Uh, we're going to talk about what God says as we continue our, our, our study in, in the book of Exodus and looking at the Ten Commandments as we look at uh, the, under the title, uh, <clears throat> Ten Values That Build Strong Lives, we're in part four of the Ten Commandments as we consider these words today. As we look at the fourth commandment, uh, did you know that God has more to say to us about taking a day off than he does about murder and adultery? It means that this is a priority. Uh, th this, is, this is something important. Look at what Exodus chapter 20, verses 8, 9, and 10 say. We won't read the entire section. just want to read the, the highlights here. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord, your God. Six days you should labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord. We're going to look at this, this fourth commandment, and we're going to look at it under the, the heading, God's Word to Workaholics. God's Word to Workaholics. And to begin with, we've got to get a definition of the Sabbath. The Sabbath is God's an antidote to burnout. The Sabbath is an antidote to burnout. So what does this word Sabbath mean? The word Sabbath means day of rest. That's literally what it means, a day of rest. Why does God command us to take a day of rest? Mark chapter 2, verse 27, Jesus said this, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So God created the Sabbath day for us. You know, we need to under, understand that. God says, I created this day of rest for your benefit, for, for you to be blessed, not burdened. God said, sometimes you get physically, you get emotionally, and you get spiritually burned out. And so there are times in your life when you need to be physically, emotionally, and spiritually recharged. You need to be re-energized. And so God created the Sabbath as an antidote to burnout, to help us put everything back in focus. So when are we supposed to have our Sabbath? Well, one day a week. You'd be surprised the Bible doesn't really tell us uh, a day uh, that that was will, will supposed to do it. You know, Old Testament times, they did it on the seventh day of the week, which was a Saturday. Uh, but you would be surprised that there's nowhere in the New Testament that commands you what day to worship. There's nowhere in the New Testament that commands you to worship on a Sunday. 
There's no day uh, uh, in, in the New Testament that commands you to take a Sabbath on a Sunday. So why do we do it on a Sunday? Why do we traditionally say our Sabbath is a Sunday? Well, in the New Testament times, after Jesus was raised from the dead on the third day, that was on the Sunday, the first day of the week, so Christians, those followers of Jesus, in order to honor, in order to commemorate, in order to remember that holy day, that sacred day, they began worshiping on a Sunday. But nowhere in Scripture is it commanded they have to worship on a Sunday. So God is saying, you need to have a Sabbath, now, Sunday is typically the day that we do it. But Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 through 70 says that we no longer are tied down by what day we celebrate the Sabbath. That's what Paul says. And then he says in Romans chapter 14, 5 through 6, these words. One man considers one day more sacred than another. Another man considers every day alike. Each man should be fully convinced in his own mind. He who regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Here's what Paul is saying. All of the days belong to God. Every one of them. All the gods, all the days belong to God. So God says, pick a specific day of the week and use that as your Sabbath. Use that as a day of rest, of recreation, of restoration, of rejuvenation, of recharge. Use it as a time of worship. Is what he's saying. So what do you do? So you, you've got your, your day set aside. You've got your, your, your day of Sabbath set aside. What do you do on your Sabbath? So, you know, how many of you think that having a regular day off would do you some good? You're all probably retired. You don't, some of you, yeah, you don't get tired. You, you know, Kathy and Ricky just learned this out. Retired means to get tired again. Uh, you know, that's what it means. Uh, stop, and, stop and break that word down a little bit, you know? Uh, so, so how many of you think it would be a good thing to have that? So what does it mean to be holy? What does it mean when he says a Sabbath day and keeping it holy? Holy means set apart. Holy means that, that it is to be different. Holy means it is to be unique. Holy means it is supposed to be special. Holy means that it's to have a change of pace. You do something different on that day that you don't do on other days. So it's, it's unique. It's reserved. It's special. God says, you know, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it special, keeping it unique, you know, keep, keeping, it, keeping it, it reserved for something. So how do I keep it holy? How do I keep it unique? How do I keep it special? You use it the way God intended for you to use it. You use it as a day to rest, recharge, and refocus. Rest, recharge, and focus. God says, use the day to rest your body. God says, use this day to rest your body. Psalm 127 verse 2 says that God gives rest to those that he loves. Isn't that great? God gives you rest because he loves you. He's a loving father. Sometimes God, you know, we need, our bodies need rest, and God knows that our bodies need rest. God gave us an example of that. Go back and examine it. It says that in six days, God created the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day, he rested. Why did God rest? Does God get tired? No. God doesn't get tired. God used that as an example 
for us to follow. If God rested on the seventh day, we too are to rest on that seventh day. That, that's the important principle of life. God says that every seven days you take a day off. Every seven days you take some time off to, to rest your bodies. Here it is, guys. You now have a biblical basis to take a Sunday afternoon nap. You got to rest your body. Uh, you have that opportunity to do that. You know, we live in a day when we have more work-saving devices than we've ever had. We have more, more equipment and more tools and, and more technology to, to make our work easier, but we find ourselves working more. Uh, we, we find ourselves more and more needing time off. We're more, times are more stressful than they've ever been. A recent survey said that 62% of people say that they are stressed out. They're burning out at work. Listen, if you're burning the candle at both ends, you're not as bright as you think you are. You need some time off. You need to rest. You need that time to rest your body. And I know it's tempting. It's tempting to, to try to get ahead in life. It's tempting uh, to, to, try to try to make your way through. You know, you, you think if, you know, maybe if I work a little more, I can put aside some more money. If I work a little more, maybe I can get that promotion. Maybe I can get that satisfaction that I want. But the matter of fact of the matter is, our bodies are not built for endless work. That's not the way God created us. We need that time of rest. Ecclesiastes chapter 10 verse 15 says, only someone too stupid to find his way home would wear himself out with work. <laughs> I love the honesty. Only someone too stupid to find his way home would wear himself out with work. I think that was written for me, uh, you know, because I, I, I know that I'm stupid many times. Listen, whatever you do for a living, no matter what it is, where it is, when it is, or why you do it, God says, take some time off. Take some time off to rest. Efficiency experts... Uh, have studied and they've said that reasonably spaced rest, rest periods increase productivity. Reasonably placed rest periods increase productivity. That's efficiency experts that do that. I wonder if they ever take time off from being efficient. You know, that's what, the, what the, they're saying. So this first principle, rest your body uh, on the Sabbath. God commands us to do that. Now, some of you say, feel guilty when you relax. Uh, you, you feel guilty uh, whenever you, 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 you rest. But listen, Jesus took a day off. Jesus rested, and he never felt guilty about it. He never beat himself up because he's taken off. And there's nobody that accomplished more in the world than Jesus did in three and a half years of ministry. No one. And yet he took time off and rested from his trials, from his work. Some of you cannot stand this idea uh, of taking a day off. Uh, you just can't stand it. But, but this, this first principle is to rest your body, even though you can't stand it. You know, I had a neighbor. When I lived in Arizona, I had a neighbor that he never took off. I, I got wore out just watching him. I had to take off from watching him because he wore me out. Uh, he, he, was that, he was that way. He, could, he was constantly in motion. He was a pastor of the church in the next town over. And I said, Ken, don't you ever take a break? He goes, I can't, can't, can't do it, can't do it, can't do it. He never took a break. 
some of you have to, have to realize you have to take a break. I know what you're saying, said, but if I take a break, I can't get the work done. You say, I have this deadline. I have this schedule. God says, I don't care about your deadline. I don't care about your schedule. Take some time off. Every seventh day, take a day of rest. But see, you're not just physically tired. You're not just wore out physically. You also become emotionally tired. There's two kinds of fatigue in the world. There's physical fatigue when you're wore out physically, but there's also spiritual uh, fatigue where, where your emotions get tired. Spiritual fatigue is greater than, than physical fatigue because most of us today do not make our living in manual labor. Oh, we may make it in some way, but not like they used to. You know, not like it was. So, so most of us have a far uh, greater difficulty with our spiritual fatigue than physical fatigue. We, we drain our emotions. You know, we take the whole weekend off, but we're still drained on Monday morning. Why is that? Be, be, because we're not getting enough rest. We're not getting that, that time off to rejuvenate. Listen, rest will take care of physical fatigue, but it will not take care of emotional fatigue. That's why the Bible says there's two other things you are to do on your day of rest. God not only wants you to, to rest your body, God wants you to recharge your emotions. We should use the day, that day of Sabbath as a time to recharge our, our emotions. Americans are always in a hurry to get somewhere, to do something, uh, to meet with someone, whatever. You know, during the French Revolution, uh, they, they were trying to change some things in the French Revolution. One of the things they decided to change during the French Revolution is that every day would be a work day. Every day would be work. So their idea, we could produce more goods, we, we could have more money, all this stuff. Within two months, they had to rescind it because the health of the French people began to be detrimental. So they had to rescind it so they could have some time off. So how do we do it? How do we recharge our emotions? Three things that you need to do to recharge your emotions. First, include time for quietness. Let me say it this way. Include time for quietness. Be quiet. Psalm 23, verses 2 to 3. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. I love that part. He leads me. You know why he leads us? Because we wouldn't go naturally. So as a shepherd, he leads us beside still waters. He leads us beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. When you think of that phrase, still waters and quietness, you know why he led, you know why a shepherd leads the sheep to quiet waters? Because they get scared in turbulent waters. When the water is rippling and, 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 and it's not, they won't drink. So he said he has to take them a place where it's still and it's calm. Because there they can rest. There they can find that relaxation that they need and they can recharge themselves. So quietness and soul restoration go together. But it's really hard. The Bible says quietness it, it will, will give us strength. That's why Jesus, that's why God says, be still, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I'm God. So, so schedule quiet periods in your Sabbath, times when you just rest. Many people use the, the whole weekend to relax and recreate, but they never 
take time to recharge. And they go back to work on Monday and they're just as wore out as they were before. Mark chapter 6 verse 31 says this, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, Jesus said to his disciples, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Jesus said, hey, you need to get away. Uh, you need to take some time and get away. Every seventh day, you need to be doing this. So include time for quietness. Second, include time for family. In American history, historically, Sundays or the Sabbath has been a time for church and a time for family. You know, I still think that's a pretty good idea. I think there's some things they got right back there a long time ago. It was for God and it was for family, for church and family. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verse 9 says this, enjoy life with your wife whom you love. I love that verse. You know why? Because I enjoy my wife. I enjoy being with her wife. She is my best friend that I've ever had in my entire life. I love spending time with my wife, and I'm glad that God encourages me to do that. Proverbs uh, 14, verse 30, in the Living Bible, so I don't have to explain it to you, a relaxed attitude lengthens a man's life. How many of you would like to live a long time? Then relax. Relax. Uh, some of you have already learned that because you've lived a lot longer than you thought you would. It's probably because you got this down years ago in relaxing. I was just, somebody was just thanking me this morning for the birthday card they got. I asked them, I said, do you like to be reminded of that birthday? And she said, well, no, not really. I said, well, what's the alternatives? You know, you know we, we celebrate the birthday and, and when you get older, you realize that maybe you've learned the secret uh, of some of this. Proverbs 17, 22 in the Living Bible says, being cheerful keeps you healthy. It's a slow death to be gloomy all the time. Yeah, I've always said, be more like Tigger and less like Eeyore. <laughs> the Bible says it's not healthy to be, to be sad. It's healthy to be cheerful. It's, health, it's healthful and it's helpful. Men, do this. Now, some of you are a little bit older, so this may not be relevant. But for those of you that are, uh, why, don't you, why don't you go home, talk to your wife, and play with your kids? Or here's an alternative, play with your wife and talk with your kids. <laughs> I didn't hear any amens out there. <laughs> that's good. God said that's okay. We can do that. Well, we are to be, we are to do those things. We are to draw close to one another, include time for family, include time for quietness. Third, include time for fellowship. Include time to be with other believers. We draw strength from one another. We draw encouragement from one another. Hebrews 10 verse 25 says, let us not give up meeting together. Instead, let us encourage one another. We get encouraged when we meet. What do we We encourage because life is hard. You're out there getting beat up by the devil every day. You're getting beat up by those who are antagonistic to Christ every day. And so you come in the church and say, huh, it's good to be here, a place that are people that are going through the same thing I'm going through. Boy, I needed that. I needed that. That's why David said in, 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 in uh, Psalm 20, 122, verse 1, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. David said, I look forward to it. 
He said, I'm excited when they told me, let's go to God's house. He said, man, that's a place I get rejuvenated. Listen, it's tough being a Christian out there in the world. It's tough. And we need those times of rejuvenation. We need to be rejuvenated. We need to be recharged. We need to rebuild ourselves by being around other people. Other people. Do you know in the New Testament, it says that the early believers ate meals together. Can you believe that? This is before they had, you know, chilies and, and on the border and all those other good places. They actually sat down and ate meals together. Why? Because the fellowship encouraged it. Encouraged one another. They were revitalized. They were recharged. Their emotions were recharged. So God says he wants to recharge your emotions, include time for quietness, include time for family, include time for fellowship. And finally, God wants you to refocus your spirit. Refocus your spirit. He wants you to rest your body, recharge your emotions, refocus your spirit. Psalm 95 verse 6 says, Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Worship should be the very first thing you do on your Sabbath. First and foremost. Before anything else is done, you should worship. That's where you put your focus on God. It's a time to remember what God has done in your life and, and to kind of refocus your energies, refocus your, your direction on what God would have you do. Uh, years ago when I was in the Navy, every now and then we had to, to relink ourselves with the satellite. It's called the, the Navy sat, uh, Navigational Satellite Link, NavLink is what we called it. And we, every now and then we, we plot in our course and our speed and it communicate with the satellite so we wouldn't get lost. God says, listen, every now and then you need to reestablish your link. Every now and then you need to reestablish your link. You need to recalibrate, rejuvenate so that you don't lose your way, so that you don't come get off track. Listen, worship helps bring into focus what's really important. I wrote it down so you could remember it. Worship helps us bring into focus what is really important important. The tragedy of America is that so many people take care of their physical needs. They will take care of their emotional needs. They will spend time with recreation and they will spend time in relationships, but they ignore their spirit. That They ignore that vital link with God. And what they've done is Sunday has become a fun day. They've taken a holy day and turned it into a holiday. Most people today aren't worshiping the sun on Sunday, they're worshiping the sun, if you catch the pun. Or maybe they're not worshiping God on Sunday, they're worshiping the sun. After all, that's why the S-U-N is in the Word, so we can worship the sun. We've reversed everything that God has intended. Some people think that all there is to life is work and play, work and play, play and work. And before long, they realize there's more to life than work and play and play and work. Mark chapter 8, verse 36 says, What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? Listen, God wants you to ask that question every seven days. 
Every seven days, he wants you to come back and say, what am I doing? How am I spending my life? What am I gaining for this? Every 168 hours, God wants you to go back and re-examine, what am I doing? What am I doing? I'm recharging here. Why? Because I want to put my focus back on God and not on these things over here. Every seven days, every 168 hours, God wants us to re-examine our priorities, re-evaluate our priorities, regroup, relax, tune into God is what he wants us to do. This third thing we're talking about, uh, this refocus our spirit, is worship is the first thing you ought to do on your day off before you do all the others. It's the most important. It is the most essential for us. Dads, you want to know how to be the spiritual leader in your family? This is free, by the way. Most of you probably already got this. But dads, you want to know how to be the spiritual leader in your family? It's very easy. Take your kids to church. Take them to church. Very simple. You do not teach your kids values. You model it before them. If you're teaching them one thing and you're not modeling it, guess what? It's going in one ear and out the other. You model it before your kids. So every time you tell your kids, well, you know, we're not going to go to church today. We're going to go camping. Or we're going to go hunting. We're going to go fishing. Or, you know, we've got some things to do around the house. We're going to finish that up. Or, you know, we're just too tired. We're going to stay home. Every time you do that, you are telling them that worship is not important. Every time. And they, they file it away. Uh, for, for, those, for those of you that remember, the, it's like a reel-to-reel cassette, and they're filing it away. Or maybe you're too, too old to remember. How about eight-track tapes? Remember the old eight-tracks? Uh, or maybe, maybe it's a cassette, okay? Or maybe for some, it's a CD. Okay, maybe that's not relevant. It's like a playlist on your iPod, okay, or your iPhone. And every time you do that, they push the rewind button. Let me hear that again. Let me hear that again. Let me hear that again. Yeah, Dad, you say this, but this is what you do. That's the most important thing you need to get. I think I'm going to really drive that home in the next service. But it's easy for us to say, yeah, yeah, that's what they should do. We don't have to do it. Yeah, it is. Even in your old age, are you still modeling that truth for your children? This is the most important thing that we can do. Even those of you that are elderly, and it's very difficult for you to get here, I want you to know it is a testimony to others. It's a testimony. This is the most important thing in our life. Most important thing. Listen, hear me on this, because I'm about to step on your toes. It ain't Bible study. It ain't Bible study at 10 o'clock. You know, I I can make it to 10 o'clock. The most important thing you do on Sunday is worship the King. If we never have another Bible study in this church, guess what? We will still worship the King. That's the most important thing you do. You adjust your schedule and said, I don't care what my body says. I don't care what my schedule says. I am going to be in that church at 845. If you can't make it at 845, guess what? We worship the same king, the same God at 1115. The same king. All the music's a little different, but God is the same. And it's the same God. Glory to him. Praise to him. And we offer him praise. And yes, we stand. But you don't have to stand. You can sit. The important thing is that you are present in God's house and worshiping God. That's it. And I, I'm not going to go there. I'll, I'll, I'll go away. Are we taping this one? 
no. I do not tolerate, I do not tolerate absence from worship. I don't. I said, because the minute they tell me, they said, you're telling me where your priorities are. Your priorities is your comfort and what you like and not your God. I think it's biblical. These people worship me with their lips, but they do not worship me with their heart. The most important thing we do is worship our God on our day of Sabbath. Whatever else, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, set apart for God. Listen, when you buy a car, you get with it this little book that's in your glove box. Y'all know what a glove box, you got a little compartment over there? <clears throat> and there's a book inside there. If you open that book up, it says, if you do certain things on a regular routine, your car will last longer. If you do a certain maintenance schedule, like change your oil, change your, you know, rotate your tires, you do all those things at a certain schedule, your car will last longer. I wish I would have found that book seven or eight years ago. <clears throat> the Bible is your maintenance book. The Bible is, is, your, is your guide. And part of the guide within the Bible, it says, if you will maintain this every seven days, if you would do this, you're going to get a lot longer, get last a lot longer in your life. You're going to do, be able to do it. So God says the maintenance schedule for living is every seventh day you slow down, you stop, you regroup, and you spend time in worship. He says if you do that, you'll be more successful in life. Now, it's, it's not a difficult lifestyle. It's the most logical thing that we can do. He knows what's best for us. Why? Because he created you. He knows what you need. He, he understands. Jesus said, I came that you might have life. He said, that's why I came. He said, I came to set you free from those things that you might have life. God says his way will help you physically. It will help you emotionally. It will help you spiritually. When you don't do what God wants you to do, when you don't take that seventh day off, you are chronically fatigued. Why is that? Because you're out of balance. You're out of kilter, and it doesn't work. So, so what do you do when you, when you get that way? What do you do when you get out of kilter? What do you do when you get out of balance? Can I tell you the simple thing? You come to Jesus. You need to have a come to Jesus meeting. Jesus tells you. He challenges. He says, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Come to me. So for some of you, for the very first time, you got to come to Jesus. But for the very first time, you say, you know, I've got to get this right in my head. I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you, my dear brothers, my dear sisters. I want to challenge you. Take this command seriously. This is not a suggestion. This is not a great idea. This is, might be a great hypothesis. He says, this is the fourth commandment of the top 10. Take the Sabbath day seriously. It's not an option. And here's the thing. If you don't take it seriously, guess what you've just done? You've sinned. If you know that what you're supposed to do and you choose not to do it, then you are sinning. And if you're doing that, guess what you need? You need a savior. You need a savior. 
I look around, I think everybody here knows the Savior. You know the Savior, but do you know Him as Lord? There's a difference. Some of us got fire insurance, but we need that life insurance. You know, that insurance that helps us live life to the fullest. This moment, we're going to have a time of invitation. I'm just going to ask you to spend time in worship. You know, we're going to sing a song. Kip's going to lead us in a great song. You know, maybe you want to come up and pray. Maybe you want to come up and talk to somebody about something in your life. We'll be here for you. Josh will be here. Marcy's being here. But basically, I want you, as we sing this closing song, focus on God. Would you stand with me? As everyone gets, Kip comes to lead us. And Cassie and Marilyn come to play. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time together. We thank you, Father, for the blessings you've given us. God, we thank you that we have a place like this that we can come every Sunday and we can worship you. God, forgive me, forgive us when we take this for granted. Father, forgive me, forgive us, Lord, when it becomes a routine. Father, forgive me, forgive us, Father, when, when we are flippant about this, God, because every time we are doing that, we are telling you, God, we know better than you. And God, we don't. We don't. You have told us, Father, that we are to keep this day holy, set apart, unique, special, because, Father, you know what's best for us. God, forgive us. Forgive us, Father, when we do not take this command seriously. Now, Father, touch our lives as we sing together, as we worship you and put our focus on you, Father, as we talk about your amazing grace that you've given to us. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Spend some